What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Reggae Lover Podcast. Reggae Lover Podcast, your boy Khalil Wanda in the building. Hey, God here. What up, people? Welcome to another episode. Today we are joined by Diego Herrera, Chief Caribbean Programming Person. I don't have the official title, but he's the man in charge. He's running things for the streaming service Pandora, and um, he's been a guest on the show before. His profile continues to rise in the business, and we're just honored and thrilled that he, you know, set aside some time to join us. So, Diego, welcome to Reggae Lover. Right on. Thank you for having me. I don't actually even really know what my official title is these days anymore. I feel like I get called different things every time, but okay. I think like chief. Works I don't feel so bad. I don't know. I like that. Yeah, that, that's, that's how you know you're making it in the entertainment industry when nobody knows your title. You know, <laughs> I have a few friends like that. Like I, I try to ask them what their title is and it's like uh, they, they get confused. So I think you're doing a good job. <laughs> right. I actually just had a conversation, too, about this exact same thing with um, Pat McKay over at SiriusXM because she, you know, in an email, I addressed her by what her, you know, let's say like corporate title is. And then she wrote me back and was like, yeah, I don't know what how to refer to myself half the time anyways too so you know i think it's it's pretty common um you know yeah as long as the check clears right yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah man so today uh, we wanted to talk about staying power in dancehall and reggae um i don't know what where i got this idea from it popped into my head as usually happens but uh you know i think i was in conversation with with diego um and you know he mentioned that yeah this summer is really big because of all the anticipated uh releases that we're looking forward to um you know enjoying in terms of the music so i mean i just finished checking out the new project from spice uh we're gonna talk about that uh a number of singles from you know people who we haven't heard new music from in a while that you know Bounty Killer, for example, right? So, mm-hmm. is it possible to have staying power in this business? That is the question. Who's going to tackle that one first? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, my first thought is that I, I feel like artists choose to kind of take uh, hiatuses, if that's a, it's a good term. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the culture of reggae in, in general is kind of laid back, you know, so I, it's like I, I see a lot of artists just kind of, especially with the pandemic and stuff, concentrating a lot on um, personal things rather than the business side of things, you know, which is even less than usual, which is probably a little bit <laughs> less than than other people in the industry, 
Um, that's my first thought, you know, when it comes to staying power, because, you know, you think of other genres and you think about how hardworking certain people are. And reggae music is obviously known for the touring, you know, the dub plates and all of that stuff. But when you talk about some of the other moves uh, to, to, I guess, branding and marketing and being staying out in the forefront, I don't I don't see that as much. So you think reggae is laid back? I don't think I've heard that. Meaning, I'm I'm talking about practices. <laughs> I'm not necessarily talking okay. about worth at work ethic or anything like that. Obviously, a lot of these artists they go on like hundreds of shows a year. You know, when it's busy. What I'm talking about is some of the other things. Like basically, what I've seen during the pandemic. I don't know. You can tell me if if you think I'm wrong, but you know, the output definitely decreased. You know, across the music industry. You know, um, and I guess a lot of reggae fans are not used to that because of just the volume that usually comes out. And, you know, I don't know if that has to do with staying power, power per se, but it's like uh, it's an indicator. You know what I mean? Of like where people's heads are at. That's just my anecdotal thing. OK, so um, Diego, from your vantage point, you know, working at Pandora and everything. And, and doing a lot of music curation, you know, what's your take on like the, the output, the level of output and how the pandemic really has affected things, you know, in the past year, year and a half or so? Yeah, I mean, I think two things happen for, for on one hand, you had a lot of people who had projects pending who decided to hold off. You know, um, I think everybody really had to take some time to reevaluate you know, what they were going to put out, like what kind of release schedule they were going to go with. Um, so people who had bigger projects, EPs, albums um, that were kind of slated to be released, I think at the beginning, you know, when we're looking back at last March of 2020, um, people didn't really know what to think. They were like, oh, this will be like a month, you know? Oh, it was just a couple months. And then when it started looking more like it was an indefinite thing, I think that caused people to take pause and and really reevaluate what they wanted to put out into the world. You know, Um, some people went ahead with albums. Um, I mean, Taurus had an album last year that I thought was really great. Um, Obviously, Protégé and Lila Ike and uh, Savannah all released projects um, that, again, were really great quality and were rolled out in kind of like the best way that you could roll it out, you know? Um, Yeah. But... I think that there were also a number of people who probably looked at it as well um, with the changing landscape of releases and, and with, you know, how people are even consuming music, right. And how there was a big pivot to streaming and other, other formats, even the video format, right. Like performances, you started to see more performances really like happening online. Um, uh-huh. I think it made a lot of people take, uh, step back and, and, and double check if they wanted to release like their potentially like best material at that time. You know, um, I also think that you have to take into consideration that a lot of the industry has somewhat like moved towards the single format more heavily. Right. Especially like, you know, the younger artists who really um, in many senses are just kind of like trying to put out as much as possible to see if they have a hit. Uh, trying to trend every week on YouTube or, or whatever chart that they're trying to hit, um, trying to do stuff to keep in the public eye. Um, and, you know, and then I think that, you know, as we went along in the 
pandemic, everything's kind of, we're all trying to figure it out at the same time, you know? So from my perspective, you know, I ended up hearing from people early on in the year, oh yeah, this project's going to come out, that project's going to come out, this person's doing this. And a lot of those things actually went on pause. You know what I mean? Um, there were, so there were some big name artists that I was expecting to hear albums from. They never came. Mm. So, but, um, that's just the, the pandemic though. I think when we're talking about staying power, you also have to look at just other artists who haven't necessarily been as interested in putting out a release, like a full length release in a long time. Bounty's album is about to come out, you know, Mm -hmm. yeah. release date TBD. The last album he put out was what, like 18 years ago. Really? Something like that. It was Ghetto Dictionary, right? Like the two part, the two part album. Um, and yeah, I know. I, I couldn't. I, I couldn't think of when she had a release. Um, but just here in eighteen years, I'm pretty sure years, it was like yeah. two thousand two right. or yeah, two thousand two, okay. two thousand three or something. But um, you know, that's a long time for someone as um, highly regarded as Bounty Killer to wait to put an out an album out and. I haven't, to be honest with you, done a lot of reading uh, um, about, you know, in the interviews that he's done regarding why he waited so long. But, you know, we're talking about staying power. I think um, it is, to me, one of the hallmarks of reggae music that artists who establish themselves still have staying power. And all it takes is just one big song or one big release. Mm -hmm. Um, And you continue to see artists of all kinds, you know, releasing albums. Sometimes they're not necessarily as loud or um, make, you know, get as much attention as others. But, you know, we're talking about just an island of prolific artists who just continue to relentlessly to put out music, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that um, that hiatus that <laughs> we want to call it that, 18 years, you know, that's that's a hell of a long time. I mean, that's like on the level of, I mean, this would be considered a comeback, you know what I'm saying, (laughs) right now, um, in music to wait that long. I mean, two decades. It's a little bit different, though. I mean, I can't remember a time where Bounty didn't have songs out, you know what I mean? So, you know, to me, when you just said that it's been 18 years, that was like shocking to me because I didn't even realize, you know, I just thought, oh, well, you know, he he's always had a single, you know, that's hitting summertime or something or he's doing something with somebody else. So I never even thought like I just assumed he had out. I don't think so, though, that. man. What? I think there was whole years where you didn't hear from Killer like that. I mean, nothing that was really impactful. You know, I, I could think of a handful of records that he dropped that really you know made waves in the dance hall over the over the past yeah since mm. he had the last releases out so since the early 2000s i feel like we haven't heard that much from him yeah i mean he's definitely continued to release singles maybe you know sporadically but um you know to your point earlier about how a lot of artists end up just doing shows and you know, it's, I think a lot of the time, maybe it's probably, it has to do more with what the artist is interested in doing right at the time. Maybe they don't necessarily feel the need to put out an album because they know they can tour year round. They can go to, you know, the States, they can go to Europe, they can go to, you know, Asia, wherever, right. Wherever there's a demand for them. And, you know, as long as they're maybe putting out some creative projects 
occasionally getting on a juggling or, or, you know, a collab or a feature or what have you, it might not necessarily be as important for them to put out a full length album. Um, yeah, I think the younger generation, interestingly enough, is even when they're putting out albums or re- like, you know, let's say longer releases, they're not even LPs, quote unquote, right? They're EPs. EPs. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Intense just put out what, like an album and then an EP immediately after it. But in the, in between each one, he's put out like a single or, or three every week. You know what I mean? So I don't think it's necessarily even as important for a certain, you know, the younger generation or, or, or certain types of artists. Some artists really want to put it out because, you know, they have an artistic expression that they want to, a theme or, or, or a feel that they want to put out. And it all ties together those songs, you know? Um, yeah. So let's I think look, with an, yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. Good. No, I was, was going to say, say, I think, with, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> my bad. I think with an artist like Bounty, it's kind of like you already have a songbook of just classics and you can just lean on those if you want. And it, you know, maybe it just took him time to say like, you know, all right, you know, it's been a while. Um, I'm feeling the creative juices flowing and, and I'm going to get in and I have a great team around me. That's, you know, gr- you know, providing me with some great music and, uh, sorry, like, you know, the rhythms and, and, you know, it's time, you know? Yeah, what I was going to say is, um, I think besides Bounty, I think we need to like define it a little bit more. Like who else would, would we say has quote unquote staying power? You know, I mean, it's, it's a very large because we're talking about, you know, culture artists, you know, we're talking about, you know, reggae bands. We're talking about dance hall. Like let's, let's try to define it a little bit more, you know, because I mean, for me, it's a tough thing to, to kind of define in a sense because there's so many different, you know, elements or quote unquote subgenres and all of these things. So any, any, right. anybody else come to mind? No. Well, when you were talking about, um, you know, talking about releases, my mind immediately goes to Sizzler because he's like the extreme, he's like the very extreme of prolific, <laughs> you know, work ethic and, and all that. Like he, he's dropping an album now, um, as we're just came out yesterday. This. Yeah. Just came out yesterday. Okay. And, um, but I don't think I could think of a year when Sizzler didn't have multiple albums <laughs> coming out Sizzler and then surrounded with other singles scattered, you know, he was one of the guys, he had the, you know, the COVID songs and stuff coming out at the beginning <laughs> of the pandemic. Like he's always putting stuff out, always, always, mm-hmm. always putting stuff out. Now, diehard Sizzler fans go back to his original catalog that he came out maybe the first five joints you know and then the right the real thing you know that's like what really i think he performs and tours on now but he's been constantly releasing music so you can't say that sizzle is not relevant like in the dance hall sound still cut his, his dubs and still play them you know what i'm saying so i think that's one that's like the extreme i don't think anybody tops sizzla but then, you know, I also think of Capleton. Um, I was looking, you know, Capleton has two, you know, pretty decent singles out this year already. Um, I think he had an album last year, if not the year before, um, or recently. So I know he performed the night that the, one of the verses, was it the, the night of Bounty and Beanie's verses that he had a live stream concert? Yeah, he also had a yeah live stream event. Yeah. 
So he, you talking he's about maintained. the one where it was like his birthday and he just had a juggling setup in the background, like in, in his backyard or something like that. And he was just going off for like an hour and a half. Well, nobody I know um, saw I didn't, it. So. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see it. Uh, I watched and, part of it. Um, it was actually really great. Okay, good. Yeah. It, it really did feel like, a, you know, like old, you know, sound system dance thing, but it was literally just like a setup at his, at his house. And, you know, he had um, a selector and they were just throwing songs at him and he was just going in. It was great. It was great. Um, you know, um, uh, you know, you mentioned something about relevance and, and, and do, kind of connected it to output, right? I think, you know, when we're talking about definitions too, and, and we're talking about, you know, being prolific and, and staying power and all these things, like, I, I think maybe it's not the, I don't know, the appropriate thing to connect someone who's constantly putting out music to their staying power. Because I think even when you're talking about people cutting like Sizzla dubs, you know, still, when you're talking about those dubs, like how many people are cutting out dubs from his new albums? You know what I mean? A lot of those no, dubs that are no. being cut are, are yeah. old, old tracks, you know? So, Same thing with Killer. Yeah. And, and I mean, like maybe they might have a newer song that really hits and they, they, you know, the, the sound figures out the right way to put it over like a certain rhythm and, and it, it's a high impact dub or whatever. But I think that, um, you kind of have to look at it in the sense of like who's put continuing to put out music that really actually connects with fans and becomes part of their long-term catalog. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Sizzla, for instance, like, yeah, he puts out tons of music. Can you name, you know, three songs from his recent albums? You know, I, I mean, cannot. I could name three songs from his album that just came out yesterday because I was just listening through it. But if yeah. I had to go back further than that, it's a little bit more difficult, you know? Um, yeah. So I, I think when you're talking about staying power too, I think maybe it's also important to kind of, as a measure, measurement, like use the idea that who, who has been around for a long time that continues to put out songs that really stick to their repertoire, where they're going to go on the road and perform them. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, the person I'm thinking of can't go on the road, but <laughs> I'm thinking about Vibes Cartel. You know, um, mm. because you know, during the last few months, I've been listening to a lot more party audio, like the, uh, juggling vibes and stuff like that. And you know, the amount of cartel that gets played that people still know, they know all of the lyrics. Um, you know, even me, I'm surprised. You know, one day I was practicing, I was going through. I, I just was like cartel. Like, I don't have a bunch of cartel, but you know, even the stuff that I have in my crates, I was like, man, these things could still hit right now. Um, and you know, you know, he's, he's in, he's locked up, he's incarcerated. But like, when I think of staying power outside of like, you know, the Sean Paul, cause that's like, you know, the icon, that's the, the, the pinnacle right there in terms of staying power, you know, outside of that, I think of cartel. Um, I think popcorn a little bit like that's yet to be seen, but he's still, you know, trying to keep his head in the game. But I mean, cartel to me, for some reason, somehow, you know, has staying power, um, even while locked up, you know, I'm still hearing cartel songs that I didn't know existed, but people know, you know? Yeah. I think you're a hundred percent right with that one. Um, and another person who just put out an album yesterday. You know, an entire album. Not Cartel, even like right? an EP. Yeah. And yeah, there's hitters on amazing. it. <laughs> okay. You know? I wasn't hitters. a fan of his previous one that was like, what, six months ago? X-rated? <laughs> he, 
Yeah, I guess so. Oh, I'm confused. He puts out he puts out so much. Well, there was one that he put out. Um, you're talking. Are you, are you talking about Don and Divas? That he was put like out yeah, one yeah. the day the year um, it came out on Buju's release date. Yes, that was Don and Divas. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, that yeah, that's some the song, one. Mm, some songs on it. You know, I mean, it it was also kind of a concept album too, right? Like he's kind of playing off the Don's and Divas theme. He's kind of got like all these features with you know his kids and you know the the. Collabor- other collaborator artists, uh, Sean Storm, and you know the people who uh, you know are connected with him in uh, one yeah. way or another, you know. And then, um, but yeah, I I love that X-rated EP. It was short and sweet and kind of came out really quiet, but it was like to me that one felt as as close to like let's say old cartel as you could get, like in this era, you know. And mm, okay. uh, I also think it kind of depends to, you know, you can't really talk about staying power and being prolific and the artists and their, and their impact unless you're also talking about kind of like the producers and the collaborations, right? Mm-hmm. Because the producers uh, in many ways are, are driving that sound, the sounds, right? They're driving like to a certain extent, like the success of an artist in the sense of giving them like a track that they can then come up with a really great lyrics on. Right. Um, uh-huh. So, you know, and then Cartel, for instance, you know, the um, the two releases that we mentioned yesterday's release um, and Don and Divas, I think we're both produced by Short Boss, right? So that has a specific sound. It's Cartel and Short Boss. Mm-hmm. And then I think the X-rated one, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm going <laughs> to unfortunately go on record here, but I think it was produced by TJ, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. So it's like that has its own sound, right? And mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and they connect with different audiences, you know? We're talking about also, exactly. like, the short boss sound, right? Connects with the younger generation of listeners. It's much... You know? Yeah, that's that's the reason that it didn't, it didn't resonate with me. But I know that, to Agar's point, like, those songs are beaten out, you know what I'm saying, all over Jamaica. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, every sound is, you know, good. they're getting money pull-ups off those same songs. So it may not be my thing, but... <laughs> <laughs> he still manages to run the place no matter what he does. Yeah. So that would definitely meet the definition um, of staying power. I could be underneath the jail, but you know, my stuff is still controlling the charts in the streets. So. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And I think um, it's, it's like we're at a crossroads. It's, if this was like a, let me make like a race analogy. If it was a race, I mean, all the runners are still in there. You know what I mean? Like I still think of Idonia, you know, uh, artists like that. Um, you know, somebody like I mentioned, Popcorn, you know, I, I know I'm talking heavily dance hall here because that's like my, you know, point of reference, but. Um, there's a lot to be seen in terms of recent years because you, Khalil, you and I have had this conversation, you know, I mean, since, I mean, for this entire decade, it's been the, the decade of cartel, you know, and, you know, since Buju's been out, he's been very strategic. Um, so it's yet to be seen what his impact will be going forward. Um, other than that, like, it's, it's very tough for me to pin down, you know, um, this whole concept of staying power in this current climate. I mean, just as a, I, I consider myself a, an observer, 
you know, the outside observer a little bit, you know, cause I'm not really in the streets like that and I'm not really in dances or anything like that. So, you know, I don't know, Diego, what do you think? I mean, are there any people coming to mind besides those artists? Buju is an interesting case. I think uh, actually, and I just really quick before I get into that, that question, uh, I have to go back and correct myself. I looked it up. Short boss did produce X-rated as well. Okay. So, so okay. it's all short boss. Interesting. Yeah, short bosses. I think like Patel's like go to right now, but um, Booj is an interesting case. I think you know that last album coming out, uh, coming back from jail, and you know this is your first time really getting to work on a big project, and also working with Island, right, where that you may have like an A and R that's kind of steering the sound of an album, um, maybe a little bit more explicitly. Um, that album, I think, was intentionally versatile sounding. Mm-hmm. It was kind of intentionally uh-huh. set up to to have something for everybody and to explore the numerous sides of Buju and kind of his artistic expression, right? I don't doubt 100% that he had, obviously, like a big hand in like the creative control of it and the, and the overall end product or what have you. Um but I, I also think that, you know, again, like out of all the songs on that album, like which ones really ended up sticking? I think they're the ones that kind of align more closely with, you know, the sound that people love Buju for, which are like the dancehall tracks, like Trust and um, uh, Blessed, right? And then also kind of like the Lovers joint with um, uh, Memories with uh, John Legend. Legend. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And then, you know, you heard a lot of people saying, Oh, you know, I wanted more like dancehall buju. I wanted more of that, you know, like I wanted an album that was just filled with songs like Trust or Blessed, you know. And uh, I mean, that's r- right now he, the latest release he's got out is Summer Body, and that one sounds like he's pivoting back towards that dancehall sound, you mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah. So other artists in that kind of area, I mean, again, I, you know, I'm kind of going back to Bounty a bit because I, I'm very interested to hear the direction that he's going to take his album. I mean, he seems to be like a dancehall purist. He's alluded to kind of like wanting to save dancehall <laughs> from its current yeah. sound. Um, and, uh, you know, even the rhythms that he's gotten on recently, you know, uh, he just did that one on the stench uh, rhythm that was produced by Suku that has a very throwback kind of Dave Kelly-esque sound to it. Oh, okay. That's um, electrified. Electrified, yeah. uh, yeah i mean that's like you know that's classic bounty it's like he hasn't diluted he hasn't slowed down he has his style hasn't gotten you know um let's say like uh worn down by the years you know Um, Mm -hmm. it's great to hear that you know that's staying power is when you can give some someone something that sounds just like you recorded it 20 years ago or 30 years ago, even at this point, you know, um, I think yeah. we also have to talk about spices album, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like Definitely. the big release yeah. from this last week. And, you know, I know you were saying you, you just kind of were listening through it. It just dropped last night. I'm, I'm actually interested to hear what you guys have to think about that uh, or have to say about that album. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I, <laughs> it's one of the few things where, you know, I listened to it like at midnight, you know, after, just after midnight, uh, you know, upon the release date. So I feel like I've been listening to it 
I heard it days ago, even though it was literally just yesterday. <laughs> the days are running together right now. But um, I thought it was, you know, in two words, dance hall masterpiece. That's that's my short short version of my review for 10. You know, I think it gives you, if for her large, massive growing fan base, I think they'll be satisfied thoroughly. But I think if you didn't really know Spice, if you weren't really into her, and you checked out, you know, the tracks from this album, I think you'll be pleased as well. If you're a reggae lover, if you're a dancehall lover, it gives you something that you can vibe to. If you're one of the people, you know, around our age that loves that 90s, you know, sound, you know, the 80s or 2000s, you know, it gives you a lot of those melodies. It gives you a lot of that style. But then again, it's very modern. Um, she addresses social commentary, with her song Popo and apparently she had some social media stunt linked to that, which is great. You know, that's what we <laughs> come to know of her. Um, you know, she addresses the black lives matter. Like a lot of people are staying clear away from that. You know what I mean? Like she's hitting it, you know, dead in the center with that arrow or that track, you know, she has some stuff that's got like the one drop, you know, slower tempo to it. She's got some faster melody, you know, wine and bubble type stuff. I mean, her lyricism is on point. The combination with Shaggy, it, it just makes it, it just makes it sizzle. It's just, it, it just clicks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, if you think of Shaggy working with X artists, right? It's not guaranteed that it's going to be like over the top. But I think this one is, I think this one does it. You know what I mean? That, that's my take on 10. Well, I'm staying to my brand. I haven't heard it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe everything Khalil is saying. I, I will listen today. Yeah, we're going to need a, a full report from you, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> I was I'm always I always love your hot takes. Yeah. So I I need I need a full hot take. Yeah, I make I make weird connections, years. you know. I've I've already tried to stay away from hip hop references in this conversation already, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I've heard some great feedback. I've seen some of the social media stuff, like, you know, on her birthday, she was (laughs) walking with the lions, you know? Yeah. So (laughs) I appreciate all that stuff about her. And even though I haven't, um, heard the album, you know, I, first of all, this is her first album technically, right? So, I mean, it's weird because that doesn't necessarily fit a quote-unquote definition of staying power. But when you think about it, she's been in a contract for so long without an album. And for her to reach the heights that she's reached and actually, you know, picked up some allies along the way like Shaggy, you know, and Sean Paul and and these other industry people who are helping her out – to me, she's already proved that she has staying power. She's reinvented herself. You know, the first time I heard of her, you know, was, you know, on the, you know, song with Cartel, you know. Um, so, you know, fast forward a decade and she's she's still in there. You know, she's she's relevant. She has staying power. So, yeah, musically, I guess, you know, technically somebody would like to say, well, she didn't have an album yet, this, that and the other. But, you know, <laughs> outside of all of that, she's she stayed in the limelight and her 
her performances, her stage performances, I think is what endeared her to like the rest of the world. You know, I know, yeah, there's love and hip hop and all of that, but I think where she really broke out is paying attention to her live performance. And that really broke her through in, a, in other areas of the world. So yeah, she definitely has staying power in my opinion. Oh yeah. 100%. Uh, live performance, her social media presence, the, you know, the kind of stunts and like all the different looks. I mean, she has definitely grabbed hold of, um, <clears throat> you know, with both hands of, of her, her, let's say like visual representation mm-hmm. and really push yeah. that to the limits. Um, and like you said, yeah, love and hip hop aside, that definitely put her kind of in a different place in terms of her fan base, you know, because a lot of people started following her as a personality, not necessarily as an artist. Mm-hmm. But then when they hear the music, they're converted to a fan, right? Um, yeah. In fact, I remember even talking to someone at um, Pandora who's not necessarily, let's say, like a dance hall or, or reggae head, like fully, but she knew friends. And she started singing friends to me, like saying like, Oh, I love spice. That song friends, you know, which is totally like not necessarily even like one of spice's biggest tunes, but she loved that particular song. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I think, uh, you know, even aside from that, like spice to me, the number one thing about spice is lyrics, lyrics, lyrics. Like she is just as good, if not better than many of her peers in the world of dance. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I actually think back to, I mean, before I even get to 10, um, you know, the other full length release that she put out recently, right. Which was the captured quote unquote mixtape. Yeah. There's a bunch of songs in there that are like fire lyrics, you know, Uh and, um, and we're great. And even, you know, the, the, let's say like the deeper album cuts, like we're really good. She's got one where she's singing, I forgot the name of it, but it's, uh, she's like singing in Spanish. Like the whole track is done in Spanish. Mm you know, and she's doing it well, you know, it's, it's, she's doing spice in Spanish and totally pulls it off. And it's kind of even like, it was even like kind of an atypical beat. It wasn't like a, it was more kind of like a festival, like jump up type of Mm -hmm. almost like soca ish beat, you know? Um, so I, I, I love spice. I think she's kind of can do anything she wants. She can do everything she wants. Uh, the, the black hypocrisy thing, you know, we're talking about like the social, you know, or social commentary. And then on the yeah. new album Popo, like she doesn't shy away from that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? yep. And I think she, um, you know, is genuine about those things that she feels and, and wants to express. And the new album I think is great. I think, you know, we're talking about going back to my comment about Buju, like there is something for everybody on this album. She touches all types of different things. I actually really loved the track Don't Care, um, which is kind of like that slower. It's almost like uh, it starts off as like uh, a rate, like kind of it's 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 a dancehall track, but it's like a reggae track, right? Like the instrumental is more mm-hmm. like reggae, got a more of a reggae feel to it, you know, but she's doing like she's chatting over the top. She's like DJing over the top. Um, that one's great. I actually really love the, even the intro track spice, right? Which she uh-huh. actually kind of does a complete rundown of her history as an artist, you know, yeah. addressing Which, the VP thing. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's really interesting to, you know, I mean, I, I always love the storytelling aspect of dance hall. Like when artists get into kind of like, um, you know, 
literally telling the history of something in rhyme, you know, and making it clever. And she was able to do that literally for her whole career in like a three minute song, you know, which I thought was pretty incredible. And then, uh-huh. of course, you know, the singles, uh, the single, you know, Go Down There, which has turned out to be like one of the songs of the summer, mm-hmm. got really great reception kind of here, there and everywhere, even had like some, you know, it hasn't, I don't say like it's, it hasn't fully crossed over, but like the, the press run that they did, like really brought it to the U.S. audience and you see, yeah. it, you know, being played in uh, clubs and whatnot, you know, the clubs that are open at least. <laughs> and then, um yeah, I kind of, again, it's, it, I do feel like there's something for everybody on the, on that album. Fit was another song that I really liked. Yeah. Um, Popo, the one that you mentioned earlier is, I think it's awesome that she jumped into that subject. Um, so yeah, definitely 100% staying power. I think, I think Spice's staying power really comes, uh, a lot, of course, from her as an artist, but a lot from her personality. Yeah. A lot from personality. Yesterday when the album dropped, everybody was posting about it, you know? Everybody was posting about it. Yeah. Her, her friends or people, you know, that she barely had any features on the album aside from Shaggy. So there wasn't any investment by a lot of people to, to have to say something about it. You know, they did it because they love her they yeah. did it because they respect her, you know, and they know she worked really hard, you know, to get this album out. So you saw everyone from Dex to Daphs to Cecile to, you know, uh, Tessellated who did production on one of the album or one of the songs from the album. Um, you know, the, the community, I think at large is really behind her. So thanks. Yeah, yeah, man, it's, it's good. It's, it's exciting. You know, I think Patra, I think lady saw, but then I also think Cardi B, you know, as far as like the aspirational part of it, I think, you know, that's what she kind of represents for our culture. I thought I was right the only now. one thinking that, but good, good point. <laughs> you made my point. The Cardi B me. connection. Well, sort of. I mean, when you talk about the outspokenness and the, you know, just authenticity of how she feels like, you know, I, I'm not, I haven't uh, historically been a very big Spice fan. I've always respected her and what you said about her lyrical content and stuff like that. I've always respected, but I feel like once her voice started to amplify, you know, I became more of a, a fan and that's similar to Cardi B. Like I don't, necessarily like cardi b's music but i appreciate some of the things she says you know even if it's crass or whatever you know what i mean so yeah i definitely can make that connection um yeah for me it was more like just you know having that high profile like you know you say female hip-hop fill in the blank it's cardi right now female reggae it's vice right now sorry man together yeah, uh, on that would, that would be together, great. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Diego. Just what I were we gonna say just... about Shensia? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think she's another one. You know, um, I would like to see her. You know, similarly, like continue to rise and you know, um, Spice versus Shensia versus. You know, what I'm saying like that would be dope. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a little bit of a, a speculative question about this stay in power thing, right? So. For example, you know, we we know Protégé has his his deal going on and his whole camp is making a slew of releases. Um, And I just wonder, do you you think, and this is obviously speculation, do you think that whole crew will have like a a, a set of staying power? Because I don't know if what they're doing right now is actually connecting. I mean, I, I, I don't know. 
you know, you're over at Pandora, you might have some more insight into that. Um, it's just for me personally, I, I'm a little bit disconnected outside of Leela. I think Leela for me, for some reason, I connect more with Leela stuff, but like the rest of the crew, even including protege, you know, um, I'm not, I'm not sure how far this is going to go. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's a hot take, I guess, you know, how, 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 how well they're going to connect with because it's a younger generation. However, they're making very mature music, um, which I appreciate. But, you know, when you talk about the business or like connecting to a certain generation, I don't know if that's happening. You know, maybe I'm too old to know, <laughs> you know, that's an interesting question. Um, well, I mean, let's maybe like, take them a case at a time or a person at a time here, because I think when you're talking about protege protege before he even, you know, signed Lila Savannah and now jazz Elise to Indig co already kind of had an established run of mm -hmm. songs of releases and songs on his own, you know? Um, so, and even before the Grammy nomination, right. For uh, a matter of time, uh, well, he had like two, at least two albums under his belt, mm -hmm. you know, along with whatever singles and, you know, um, and came up at a time in that class of like the Ray revival with Chronics and Kabaka and, um, blah, 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 I'm drawing a blank now, but you, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that whole kind of era of the Ray revival, right? So I think there was kind of, you kind of have to separate him a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, um, I think your commentary about the, the projects being a little more mature. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. It is interesting because, yeah, I think they approach all the releases from a more, let's say, like, thoughtful standpoint, which yeah. could be an interpretation of the word mature. Um, they're a lot more deliberate about how they mm -hmm. roll things out in every way shape or form the visuals all you know the videos the even the how they treat it on social media you know teasing things on social media um and then the album and releases themselves i mean they don't put out an album and then two weeks later put out a single or an yeah, ep yeah you know they hammer away at that album for the rest of the year Yeah, more of like a classic um, rec recording industry standard instead of the jamaican you know let's just bum rush the 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 the, the community with everything <laughs> yeah and i think you know with lila and savannah and you know now jazz um you know we're talking about three younger artists who still have you know let's say like a limited catalog mm -hmm. um savannah had an ep that you know, had come out before her last one that I thought mm -hmm. was really great. And yep. Lila really only had a, maybe like three singles that she had released prior to her EP that came out last right. week. Yeah. So, you know, they're at different stages, I think. And we have yet to see where they're going to go. But I do think that if they continue with this formula and they continue with being thoughtful about how they release stuff, mm -hmm. um, and they continue to make music that really will stand the test of time because I do think that you can actually 
revisit any of those releases and they still sound great and yeah. they still sound unique, you know, uh-huh. um, that I, I think, you know, they will continue to, to grow and it just will be a matter of, uh, of time before they really kind of have a big hit that kind of crosses them over. I mean, Leela had a big year last year with I spy mm-hmm. that song was everywhere, you know, and it was catchy. And, you know, to your point about like connecting with, with her more, I mean, I, I don't, I, I can't say if people are connecting more to her than, you know, like the other people in the camp, but, um, I, I would just say that, you know, I think at this point they're, 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 they're still in a growth phase mm-hmm. to me. It, it's just going to be a, a matter of them having like a, uh, you know, the right hit to cross them over. And, and I don't like to think about crossing over as kind of like success, you know, because I think that there's plenty of artists that don't cross over that are beloved by their fans and have right. fans all over the world. Yeah. Um, I personally really loved Savannah's project too, kind of because it wasn't really, it wasn't a reggae album really. There was a reggae song on it, you know, with yeah. If You Only Knew, but the rest of it felt very much like an R&B album yeah. or some sort of kind of like pop or Neil soul. hybrid, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mango, uh, you know, was kind of somewhat hard to define, like stylistically, right? Uh-huh. Uh, Neo Soul, you just mentioned, I think that's a, that's kind of a good call out. Um, I think Jazz's EP that came out not too long ago um, did not get as much attention as it should have because I think it was really great. I think it was really well produced. I think she's a fantastic artist. Um, there were a few tracks on it that I still really like enjoyed listening to and, and have gone back to this, uh, after three, the song with Mortimer yeah. by Iotosh. I mean, that song is, is still stuck in my head. Radio was another really great one. So yeah. And, and, you know, fresh and clean the remix with governor. I mean, the, again, it's like they rolled that stuff out like so well, but like the idea of even bringing back fresh and clean, throwing Govey on it, and and really like kind of reviving that song as like the lead single for the EP. Like those are really smart, thoughtful moves. And and I think like you know you're talking about staying power and kind of whether this whole camp will be relevant in the future. Like absolutely, if they keep on doing what they're doing, it's just you know yeah. I think again, I, a matter of time. I think your description you just kind of reminded me of you know kind of what rock groups used to be back in the day. You know, when I look at some documentaries, when say, for example, a UK band or David Bowie or something, right? Like he came to the States and didn't get any type of recognition, went back to the UK, started working like a monster and like eventually becomes this legend. I'm just, it's crazy. I think what your description just did for me was remind me like, okay, um, what, what they do in Jamaica is kind of the exception to the rule. You know, and everywhere else, you know, this thoughtfulness, this rollout, you know, you know, I've never heard that term used with reggae releases until, you know, indignation, really rollout. You know, like, I know you must hear it a lot more, but me not like, I I don't really see a lot of, you know, rollouts coming from Jamaica. I know um, you mentioned, you know, Tessellated being producing on Spice's album. You know, I think of him as one of the artists who, you know, you have to use in those terms that like more excuse me yeah, more i'll expand like, it a little yeah. bit to like the reggae revival guys yeah yeah just to in, interject that yeah yeah chronics yeah exactly i mean i went to I, ep 
Yeah, I was yeah. going to say more names, but I think indignation yeah, yeah, was yeah. just kind of like, okay, that's kind of like a snapshot of, of kind of like the broader, um, reggae revival kind of thing going on. And I guess for somebody like me, it's like, I'm, I'm not used to it. So it makes me nervous. Like, are they doing what's right? Like, I remember somebody even mentioning to me, like you said, Leela. You know, she had like what uh, a f- three singles in like a half a decade or something like <laughs> something like that. And then somebody mentioned me like, yo, they're, they're waiting too long, you know. And but right after I had that conversation, like a month later, that's when the rollout started, you know. So it's just, you know, for me being observer and observer, I'm like, yo, I want to I want everybody to find out about this stuff. Like I want this stuff to go, you know, far and and and, and broad. However, you know, there's this, there's tried and true things that I think I've complained about that the industry hasn't been doing. But then when you start seeing it, it's like, come on, come on. I'm nervous. Like get out there, do this, do that. But I, I get what you're saying. It, it does put it into perspective. Yeah. I mean, we, something we talked about last time I was on the, the podcast is the idea about how the, the landscape of releases has changed amidst streaming. Right. Because it's not like before where, you know, back, let's say when Sizzla or whoever was putting out their album initially, you did have real rollouts and they were actually manifested in the physical sense. Mm-hmm. You had right. to send out shipping you know, units, pre-release <laughs> EPs to, you know, like to radio stations and you had to, you know, ship out singles to people or T, you know, you had to have actual listening sessions in person, right? Where like, if you want to preview the album, you know, you got to be at this spot in New York on July 5th, you know, to check it out Mm -hmm. or else you're not going to hear it until the the album drop. You know, there's a lot about the process of rolling out albums that has completely changed in the era of streaming. Now you can throw the entire album up on iTunes or what have you, and have one or two songs like as the pre-release and anyone can go listen to them at any time. Yeah. You can buy them ahead of time and check them out, you know, uh-huh. or, you know, like the thing these days, right. Is even, um, I think this happens maybe a little bit more in like the world of Soka, but like, you know, they'll actually release, um, songs on YouTube, you know, lyric videos or what have you. And then the album actually becomes available, like the rhythm or whatever comes available on streaming services a week or two after, Mm. you know? So it's almost kind of like wetting people's appetite for it. And then by the time they're able to actually access it, they've already heard it. They've already become familiarized with it. Um, And then, you know, reggae and dancehall is very interesting um, in the sense that the artists are so prolific you know, we made mention of this before already, but they're so prolific. They're putting out singles every week, sometimes multiple singles every week. And a lot of time it's not even necessarily the artist. They'll just go in and record a track for a producer, get paid, and then they move on to something else, you know? And so the producers are even putting out this stuff sometimes at the same time, two mm-hmm. different producers, two different yep. tracks, with the same artist had sure. a chronic law yesterday. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, the rollout, the release cycle thing, everything's we're in a we're in brand new territory and you have to be able to also cut through all the noise because like about thousands of releases across all genres that come out every week. So as an artist, you know, like you, there's probably a couple of different ways to look, look at it. One, you could take the the approach of, you know, the spices and the and you know, the the bujus and the proteges who they roll it out. They actually are like, "Hey, we have this album coming and we're going to tease you with all the social media stuff and 
know, we're going to leak some stuff here and we might go on IG live and like, you know, preview the album for you the day before. And then there's other people, like I said, you know, the intenses and the, um, the chronic laws and even busy signals, right? Because busy puts out tons of music yeah. all the time. Some of stuff that's really great and people don't even necessarily get to hear it because before, you know, you know, he's on to the next track that he's put out with a different producer, you know? Yeah. So, um, kind of two separate schools of thought there. And, you know, that's, I think, where if you have a, a label and an A&R and, you know, a team around you that can help guide those rollouts, great. Um, you know, maybe that helps. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe, you know, <laughs> it's, maybe still... it's like Skilly Bang and you just put out a track on, you know, SoundCloud or whatever you and suddenly you're famous, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, it's still clear as mud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think, you know, based on what we've discussed in the, you know, past half an hour or more, it's, you know, I see there are some common denominators, you know, some common themes that have threaded their way through, um, you know, so beginning with, first of all, it's not necessarily quantity, you know, quality definitely is still a, a requirement. Um, I think versatility, you know, you talked about the Buju project and the Spice project having a little bit of something for everyone. Um, being able to do that, I think, is good. You know, when you're talking about Buju, you know, he can, like, what do we need now? It's summertime. Oh, summer body. Okay, let's, you know, let's do that. Um, and then, you know, maybe when it gets cold or there's something else, you know, you can do a completely different thing. Having that versatility, I think, um, helps you to stand out and to be able to survive the onslaught of all the releases and all the noise. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, having a team around you, I think it's a positive. I don't think that, um, you know, I think the skilly bang, the, you know, the random hits like that just come through like that are more of the exception to the rule. They're more the anomaly. Those are the things that can happen. Yes. But as we know, there are thousands of one hit wonders in this industry. <laughs> So it's like, how do you avoid being the next one hit wonder or two hit wonder? You know what I mean? Um, so some people have made a whole career off of being a one hit wonder though, bro. You know what I mean? I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with it. You know, that true. single song can take you lots of different places. That's true. This is yeah, true. Definitely. And, and, you know, one thing I, you know, when we're, when we're talking about staying power, I think I kind of mentally keep coming back to this idea that, it feels like any artist, any reggae or any dancehall artist has the ability to make a comeback, you know, in a real way, right? And all it takes is just that one song to kind of like bring them, bring them back and propel them back into the spotlight. Let me give you an example. Maybe this isn't the greatest example, but this is kind of just the first one popping into my head. You have someone like Future Troubles, right? Who was a dance hall DJ in the nineties. You know, he had his, he had his tunes that, you know, kind of hit back then, but then he kind of went away for a while. And then when does he resurface and like really come back into the consciousness of, let's say like the, the world of dance hall? Well, rum and Red Bull, right? Rum and Red Bull. And he comes back as future Fambo, right? Yeah. Like reinvents himself, you know? And since then he's even been able to come back and have, you know, a few songs that really connect with, uh, you know, the dance hall, like massive and, and, and like the gap in between when he had some hits in the nineties to when rum and rebel came out was like 10 years, you know, or maybe a little bit less, but it was around then. 
So I, I think that, you know, and I think we even talked about, for instance, like Richie Spice, right. Is another example where he had put out uh earth of run red on like an album and then it actually blew up like 10 years later or what have you, or uh, I forget how many years later, but it wasn't something mm-hmm. that that song didn't hit immediately. It hit way down the line and suddenly he's back and he's then becomes a hit maker, like through the night, uh, sorry, through the two thousands. So to me, it's kind of like there's, there's always an opportunity for it because one of the hallmarks of the genres is the re the, the reinvention aspect of the music, the recycling, the reversioning, right? Like how many different yeah. versions of the real rock are there? How many different versions of, you know, the dark shade of black are there? You know, these songs keep getting relicked. These rhythms keep getting relicked over and over and over. Slang tank, yeah. hundreds of versions of those, sorry, recorded songs on that rhythm, but, you know, dozens of different producers having done it, you know, and continuing to do it. So I, I think the staying power thing is an interesting question because it's kind of like any artist has potential to have staying power. They just have to find the right tune at the right time and kind of, you know, get back in the limelight, so to speak, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think for, for Bounty, that was probably the verses, you know, probably reignited something. Oh, yeah. And then following yeah. that up, you know, recently with the, the tune with Busy, you know, that, that tune, I don't know how well it did, but that was like, oh, everybody, the feedback was, oh, old Bounty is back, you know? So, that tune is hard, yeah, yo. Yeah, definitely. But I've been following the killer man like he had um let me see in in january he did released the one with chris martin um no gonna rise mm-hmm. right that was produced by Josh snow cone one thing with all the songs he's choosing to put out the production um which I, you were talking about earlier diego like the production you know what i'm saying like the suku ward he has one with um ranch entertainment shaggy's group uh, called Stoplight, um, the one with Nice Up, Nice Up with Tia, which is like a kind of a relic of a real rock sounding thing. Sounds like a Born Americans track. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then he just put out one with um, Anthony Red Rose. So he's got a number of singles out there right now. And if you look on YouTube and you go through the comments, people are hailing him like, thank you. People are literally taking time out to just say thanks for coming back and for sounding, you know, the same and, you know, giving them the same vibe, like, like back in the day, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I'm, I'm thinking his release is going to be monumental. You know what I mean? It's throwback to Benz and Bima and those type of summers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, man. Yeah. I've, I've heard uh, some, I haven't heard tracks from the album. I can't say that, but I've heard, talk about what might be on the album who might be on the album and and it sounds really exciting you know i'm i'm really interested to hear how how it comes out and you know it, you know we're talking about verses too beanie's got something that he keeps on teasing a new album that's supposed to be on the way i yeah. mean i think it'd be really interesting to see the return of basically the, the two giants the two twin towers of dance hall and how their albums you know stack up uh side by side, but also, you know, for the, uh, the quote unquote saving of dance hall, which, uh, <laughs> you know, there's lots of, uh, opinions about the state of dance hall these days. I, does it need saving? I don't know, but I'll be very interested to hear what Bounty's interpretation of saving dance hall 
is, you know, and if it's really, if it is really kind of like we're going back to Benzema and <laughs> going back to, you know, that whole era, like, yeah, I'm for it. I mean, we're all, we're all around the same age. So, you know, yeah, that's, bring that. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I was thinking too. Like, yeah, we're, we're, we're all for it. And I think, um, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I'll definitely want to have this conversation with somebody younger, maybe, maybe another episode with Nick on it, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, no, you a gotta lot, go younger than Nick. Yeah, though. probably younger, Sorry. actually. But <laughs> um, yeah, it is interesting because you know every t- you're saying Bounty and Beanie, and I'm thinking, well, and of course, Buju's gonna have a follow up to his album, so you know, and of um, course, Capleton. Yeah, it's gonna be in the '90s all over again. You know, <laughs> those are the big four, though. Those are the big four. Yeah, so um, we gotta get we gotta get the producers back, though. I mean, Tony Kelly's still out there, very active. I'm hoping that he has some hand in these you know releases of course you know again the other kelly brother dave kelly you know like um it would be really dope to kind of even see the revival on the production side too of of kind of like the return of some of these uh, artists many of them still continue to do work you know what i mean yeah but could you imagine like the return of uh you know someone like jeremy harding to kind of doing production and you know uh I mean, look, anything Suku puts out, I absolutely love. Like, Ward, you know, the stuff that he and Ward 21 Camp have done yeah. on day one. You know what I mean? It's like to this day. I mean, the stench rhythm has been, has been on rinse and repeat for me nonstop since it came yeah, out. This might come out so. of left field, but also Richie Stevens productions, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I love how he like just he seems to go in between genres a little bit, but it's still it's still dance hall. But yeah, man. I mean, man, yeah. Go ahead. He had a rhythm. He had a rhythm that he put out. I think it was called like the skyscraper or something like that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, this yeah. Maybe like remember that it was like five years like, ago or something 20, like that. Okay, okay. And yeah. I was like, oh yeah, Deficit Dax had a really dope song on that. And I mean, it really felt like '90s vibes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I know all of us. As soon as we hear that, like our antennas go up. And we're <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. uh, something I wanted to throw out at you guys too is like two other albums that are coming out and we got to, you know, we're talking about like artists that have longevity. Um, and I'm interested to, you know, kind of maybe get your takes on them. One would be Conscious has got an album that's supposed to be coming out, right? Okay. Someone who's been around for a while. And then DeMarco has got an album that's oh, coming. Oh, yeah. And it's his, yeah. it's his first official, you know, kind of like on the same vibe as Spice, right? So, right. well, I guess when this episode comes out, we would have uh, aired this other episode, but we had an episode recently talking about underrated artists, you know, and DeMarco was in my top five underrated artists and, you know, Khalil and Nick kind of laughed at me, but whatever. But I think he's a, (laughs) to me, about that one, to me, DeMarco, some of the other ones, if I was to make a comparison at, me and my weird comparisons. I'll say DeMarco to me is kind of like a T pain, you know. I know you were gonna say that. Uh, well, he can, he can, he he has lyrics. He can produce. He, you know, what I'm saying like he sounds he like he's auto tune. Yeah. He writes <laughs> when he sings. Does he sometimes? I don't yeah, know. he had a he had a bunch of songs he, he, like when you know around that same era, the T pain yeah. era, where where he was auto tuning a lot. I just always have respected him because I remember when I started DJing again, I had taken a hiatus and I started picking it back up, and I was looking for, um, you know, just songs that would hit in a party, and I just remember Demarco having so many that 
like even if people didn't know who he was like you can definitely enjoy yourself in a party so i'm excited for you know to hear something from uh, an official something from demarco and conscience definitely you know i mean conscience uh you know <laughs> Uh, he's a hit maker assassin that whole crew you know like uh or busy like if you if those three artists like whenever they come out with stuff i always want to hear it but definitely conscience yeah yeah man conscience is a solid artist you know what i'm saying so i wouldn't expect anything short of um, a solid project from him um only thing that you know we just have to see what he does but um he's got the capability of making hits he's proved that um, you know, he dominated for a few years um, in the 2000s. And um, DeMarco, his song with Stephen Marley is a good tune. Um, what's the name of it? Dance Got a new Stress one. Away. Yeah, Dance My Stress Away. So I saw somewhere that he's doing more with Stephen. Like they're doing something together. I don't know. But that is very interesting to me. Um, I think that he's got the potential to cross over and blow up. He's one of the people I think he's definitely got the, the potential to, you know, be that guy. I don't know. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of things that have to be in place. Or maybe it's just, you know, you get that one single, <laughs> like Diego was saying, get that one hit. Well, I think when you talk about DeMarco and Conscience and, and what we've already kind of covered in this in this podcast so far, the number one word that pops into my head when I think of those two is versatility, that mm -hmm. they can do anything. Yeah. You can put either one of them on a roots track. You could put either one of them like on a one drop, right? And, or you put either one of them on a dance hall track. They could even jump on soca tracks, you know, hip hop sounding beats. Uh, I mean, a bit of everything. And in DeMarco's case, he's a, he's a triple threat, right? He does production. He does, you know, he's a lyricist, he's a performer, he's also a songwriter, right? So even the stuff that he puts together and writes for other people. Um, mm -hmm. Conscience doesn't seem to be able to do any wrong. I mean, like, he, the song, not every song he puts out is going to be a huge hit, but every song is actually worth listening to. Yeah. Kind of in the same way as, like, Busy, right? Where Busy puts out tons of music, right? And he's trying out different sounds and different, like, you know, textures and different styles. and But it's like, guaranteed it's not going to be a song that you, you know you're going to be like oh this is terrible i gotta turn it off you know or i you know next <laughs> i think when you have when you're talking about conscience and you're talking about busy like they put out music that is is good just standalone singles they're worth giving at least a solid like all the way through listen and then you know maybe you don't come back to it for a while but i've even had tracks i rediscovered a, a track that busy put out a little while ago that's kind of got like a little afrobeats flavor to it and it didn't even come out that long ago. It's called Bad Gal. Okay. Uh. You know, it's, it's like totally generic name, but w actually like was a pretty great song, you know? And uh, I feel like I heard it and was like, oh, this is great. And then I completely forgot about it. And then just a couple of days ago, went and just rediscovered it. So, yeah. You know, it's the thing yeah, about Busy. Two busy I, I i saw the dollar van tune <laughs> i was like what is he doing <laughs> next thing you know i'm, I'm bouncing to the dollar van tune. <laughs> yeah you can't get tired of like i can't get tired of busy signal i could get tired of conscience but not busy <laughs> i think busy is like hands down one of the most um just diverse and prolific artists and and 
successfully diverse, you know? It doesn't sound forced when he's doing stuff, you know? He do everything from the major laser joints with the, you know, the, the EDM, you know, laser drops and all that stuff, you know, um, all the way to, you know, doing something like Night Shift, you know, right. ballads, uh, lovers' tunes. I mean, reggae music again. Like Far all, East rhythm, a Bob Marley everything. rhythm. <laughs> everything, you know? And he doesn't miss. He just doesn't miss. I mean, maybe occasionally. You can probably find some misses, but rare. Yeah, we we're gonna have to have a separate show because I'm stuff is popping into my head, you know. At the end, yeah. maybe 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 a second yeah. part we could talk about Charlie Blacks, but yeah, I was uh, just gonna. I just thought of him. I was like, you know, we gotta shout out Charlie just, Blacks. Just you know, getting up there silently, and it, to us it's silently, but the rest of the world he has is staying yeah. power. Yeah, no doubt. Did did he ever drop an album or anything like that? Like he dropped know, a, like, like an EP album just this last year. It was like six or seven songs. Um, okay. He's got something. Another one. Another artist who's got something on the way, from what I hear. And um, but caution, a whole album. I can't recall him actually having a whole album. I might be wrong about that though. Okay. Yeah, yeah man. But yeah, that's a good call out too. Because again, like just performed it, you know, on a huge platform at the Concrete Half. Uh, was it the finals? Go, the goal, and, uh, yeah. And um, the finals. I mean, just murdering it. Like he's putting up serious numbers. He's an interesting example of an artist that kind of like does really well in, in let's say, like streaming, um, but doesn't necessarily make a lot of noise about it all the time himself. Yeah. You know, definitely. Yeah. yeah, he's um, and it's not a it's not an overwhelming a lot amount of songs. Like he just he just launches these missiles and they're, <laughs> they're just out there <laughs> for real. Um, shouts to Lila Ike on the new Betty Rider single. It's got a little surge going right now um, on social media with the challenge associated with that. Um, what do you think of the new single? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Did you see the Lil Mama uh, video for her Oh Oh song? No, I missed that one. Uh, okay, yeah, she does a Lil Mama the rapper. To, yeah, exactly. She has a dancehall okay. song out. It reminds me of uh, Pond the Replay, except that uh-huh. on Pond the Replay, Rihanna was DJing basically. But um, Lil Mama is rapping on the verses, and she's attempting to DJ on the hook. And um, she has a couple of dance crews in the video, you know, doing like authentic, authentic dancing. You know what I'm saying? So, thought that was very interesting. That was diplomatic of you to slip in the attempting, <laughs> attempting to DJ. <laughs> well, I gotta know, check it out. I though. mean, she's trying to do the accent and everything. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I was not expecting that, but I want to see what Lil Mama's up to. I mean, yeah, you know, a lot yeah. of the a lot of the hip hop artists are dabbling in in stuff like that, you know, pretty consistently. Uh, obviously, Tory Lanez, who you know, kind of has like hip hop R and B stuff going on, and it, it feels again like there's always the influence of dancehall music is is just prevalent in pop music, you know, and. It, it will always it will always be tied to hip hop in some way or another. Um, 
Nikki on the crocodile teeth is, you know, kind of like the most recent loudest example of that. But, uh, I want to see more tracks that are, you know, Shensia featuring somebody or Charlie Black featuring X person and not so much like, you know, Tory Lanez featuring Charlie Black or Tory Lanez featuring Sean Paul or what have you. That mm. dynamic needs to be switched up. Mm. And those songs then need to be also like marketed to the United States. Oh. There's one coming next week. Uh, I don't think I can like share the, the name right now. I guess if this is airing later on, it won't matter, but there is one coming mm-hmm. next week from when we're, when we're recording this, that is a big name dancehall artist featuring a big name R and B hip hop artist. Okay. And, um, that kind of stuff needs to happen more. That's what I want to see happening more of. Or, or did you check out the versus, um, with, the the, the locks dipset and the locks and dipset? Yeah. Do you mean the the Jada Kiss murder spree? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> Murderation. <laughs> Holy. I mean, that was something else. A Dipset. Uh, everyone was like, oh, Dipset's got this. Dipset's got this. Boy, Jada had something to say about that. <laughs> Such a beautiful representation, though, of the essence of hip hop, right? the competitive nature because it's one thing to be a, you know, internet bad man, but it's another thing to be on stage with someone and then have them just kind of push you the right way. And then suddenly you go off. Right. I mean, uh, there were so many videos I saw that were like, this is the moment when Jada was like, you know, said he'd had enough. And then he just, just like bodying people like, uh, you know, <laughs> pulling off Joelle's bandana and throwing it on the ground. I mean, it was, that shit was great. Excuse me. That stuff was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, interesting. And you know, I'm, I'm gonna have to wrap up soon, but, um, DJ drama has also been calling out DJ clue for the longest trying to do a versus. And that to me is probably the closest thing that we're going to get to a sound clash. Cause all of them have their, uh, mixtape freestyles that say their names in them. So, you know, I would love to see that. Apparently, uh, Clue doesn't want any part of it right now. So oh. that would be interesting. DJ drama versus Clue. I don't know who I have on that one. I, well, I'm going to throw something out to, to you guys right now. How about this? If, if you could pick any two artists for the next Jamaican versus, who would it be? Why? Yeah, we've talked about this. Yeah, we I have. Mean, everybody ta- talked about we have the talked sizzling about this, thing, but that's never going to happen. It, it would kind of have to be. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of easy just because we've spoken about it before. But it would have to be Sean and and, and Shaggy. I think, in my opinion, interesting because like we're talking about like legends. Like that's what's happening with these verses, right? Um, yeah, yeah. That that'd be a good time. I mean, that's that's. That, it wouldn't be authentic, like it wouldn't be like a hardcore, like no. Nah, it would be more like a a, a, a a Teddy Riley situation, you know. <laughs> but it would be like Earth, Wind, and Fire, and uh, the Isley Brothers. You weren't expecting yeah, that, that answer, huh? That's well. That's more. I mean, to be honest with you, it's not. Uh, it's not. I I see what you're saying, but I'm just thinking more like within the canon of reggae and dancehall music, I don't know that Shaggy and Sean Paul necessarily match up 100%, yeah. you know? Because Shaggy's 
got a lot more hits that kind of fall in like the pop correct world you know Sh- uh, yeah. Sean Paul has a lot more of a catalog of just straight up dance hall stuff you know um yeah he, of course Shaggy's like earlier career let's say like his mid to early career is maybe a lot more focused on dance yeah, hall yeah, but yeah. It, it always felt a little bit more kind of crossover you're right about that I would like to see something like because you mentioned the Earth, Wind, and Fire and um, Isley Brothers one, right? Which mm-hmm. I thought was really dope because it was like more of yeah. a vibe. Or even uh, the Erica Badu and um, Jill Scott one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I would love to see something where it's like Taurus versus someone who I can't think of just yet. You know, someone like Taurus and Chronics. You know, because uh, okay. they're kind of like they're contemporaries they they have a lot of different sounding stuff they both got hits in their own world maybe that might not be the right the right matchup but someone like those two you know what i mean um, right you know where it could you know at some like you have like chronics it's got likes and you have taurus has got you know his other dancehall tracks i'm thinking of like come over or you know lighter or something like that you know and then they can go into the root stuff and they can go into the kind of like the tracks that aren't even really don't really fall in either of those areas, you know, uh, something like that I think would be really dope where it doesn't necessarily have to be a dance hall clash type thing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, shoot, we might have to debate that on another show too. (laughs) Versus versus matchups revisited, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Spraga and Mad Cobra, you know what I'm saying? Buju and Capleton. That's two right there. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, like I said, Spice and Shinsia. But, you know, sorry. Since Shinsia would get put to rest that night. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. Because you don't want to, you'd have to put Spice against a, a dude, actually. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm trying to think of, uh, now I'm starting to think of those. Uh, there were a couple of tracks that came out in the 90s or early 2000s where they were putting together the artists that kind of sounded together like there's that track um with uh bounty and merciless yeah <laughs> uh <laughs> right mm-hmm. they, uh it would be funny to see uh, a clash like that where you have two artists that really sound alike or even like the um like mega bantan and buju bantan <laughs> they kind of match no, up i'll tell you one where they have they both have the catalog would be like bushman and luciano yeah you know what I'm saying? Ah, yeah. That would be the ultimate. That would be the ultimate reggae versus. It's like mm. they sound it's like, wait a minute. Is that who is that on the track? <laughs> they sound that similar. It's funny. That well, we're going to have to put together some lists and send them off to uh, Swiss Beats and Timbaland. And yeah, like, these are our recommendations. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because yeah, um, there's this one sound in Brooklyn. Oh, does it? What's the, what's the War Chef sound? Uh, uh, um, uh, whatever remember. they they have a, a dub plate where it's Luciano Bushman and Michael Buckley, and all of them sound sound similar. <laughs> oh man, it's funny. Yeah, man. Oh, King Fargo. Yeah, King, King Fargo. Fargo. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, look, uh, Diego, tell everyone how to follow you, and you know, be become a part of the movement that you're uh, pushing right now before we get out of here. Right on. Um, look, first off, artists, if you're listening to this, go to AMP, 
sign up for AMP on Pandora. AMPplaybook.com is the place where you want to go and read all the information about AMP, which is Pandora's artist marketing platform. Um, some really great tools to connect with your audience there. Some really great ways to see visualizations of how your music is performing on Pandora. So that's important. AMPplaybook.com. That's the first thing I want to tell you. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, my Instagram is Diego H Pandora. Um, and I'm not, you know, it's funny. I'm thinking back to some of our last conversations about being active on social and me saying I need to improve that. I haven't improved it. So sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I haven't improved mine either. Yeah. You're good, yeah. man. Um, I just have been occasionally posting stuff about, you know, the features and stuff we've been doing occasionally, you know, some shout outs to, artists I love. And you can check most recently, uh, my last post was about the billion spins plaque presentation to Sean Paul that just went down a couple weeks ago. Um, but yeah, Diego H Pandora on Instagram. And um, yeah, man, I mean, look, uh, artists link up, hit me on Instagram is probably the best way to get at me. And uh, let's just kind of talk about how we can work together on bringing your music to your fans on Pandora. Yeah, man. Like always, thank you very much for, you know, having this conversation with us and, you know, uh, creeping into your sleep time, you know, West, <laughs> West Coast time, you know, we appreciate it. All good. All good. No, I'm happy to be here with you guys. And thank you for the invite. Uh, I was checking out your last shows. I got to take you guys to task a little bit on the, the top albums episode, <laughs> which was I was expecting to hear just the whole you know, debate on reggae and you guys kind of stuck with a lot of hip hop and stuff outside of uh, reggae. So I don't know what's up with that. We got to have a conversation about that. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I got to be more thoughtful, I guess, you know, no, no, no. Yeah, okay. I, I liked your picks though. I liked your picks. I didn't disagree with really anything. So word. I mean, I held back on this episode from bringing up Nas um, King's disease part two album, which just dropped yesterday. And, um, you know, straight fire, man, straight fire. But yeah, that's a whole other pod episode right there. Definitely. Whole another pod Just episode. The, the, the Nas deep dive. <laughs> yeah, the, the crossover episode. Yeah, man. All right. Well, so dedication to regular lovers worldwide. Diego, thank you so much, brother. Yeah, man, thank you. you know I'm saying until next time. Peace. Yeah. All right. Bless up. Reggae Lover Podcast was produced by Andres Agard and Aubrey Khalil Agard. Visit ReggaeLover.com for full show notes, archives, and more information. If you're interested in a sponsorship or donation, please email info at ReggaeLover.com. Follow us on Instagram at ReggaeLoverPodcast. Like our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash ReggaeLoverPodcast. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.